What's up, Sanctuary? Just want you to know I'm not high this morning. Thanks for that. I am sober-minded. Dude, this is so awesome, so exciting. Um, Well, what I wanted to uh, start by telling you guys is that there is a difference between knowing about something and experiencing it, right? You You know what I'm talking about? There's a difference between knowing what a word means and then actually experiencing the reality of that thing, right? If you'd asked me a a long time ago, I could have told you what the word heartache meant. I could have told you the dictionary definition. Yeah, this is what it is. If you'd said, I'm having these symptoms, Dr. Greg, what do I have? I'd be like, yeah, you probably have heartache right now. But it wasn't until I felt heartache that I, I think I really understood what it meant. Any of you felt heartache before? You've actually, oh, come on. What is like that feeling, right? I remember sitting on my bed. I hung up the phone with uh, this amazing young woman that I had just met. Just met her at this training event. I was living in Seattle at the time, and I, met, I saw her at this thing. We became friends. We stayed in touch. And just these conversations with this young woman were like nothing else I'd ever experienced in my life. I felt this longing to be with that person, right? I just felt like I just want to talk more with this person. At one point, we had a seven-hour phone conversation, um, and I was like, I want to keep going, right? And I was feeling these, it's like rolling tidal waves of longing and desire to be with this person, and then they were like crashing against the brutal hard reality that she lived 3,000 miles away from me in some random city called Providence, Rhode Island. I was like, Rhode Island, where's that? It's like an island, there's probably unicorns dancing around on this mythical place. Probably doesn't even, she probably lives in a place that doesn't exist. And so I was feeling this tension of these two things, right? This longing, I wanna be with this person and there's just no way. What am I gonna do? pack up all my stuff, put it in a red Jetta and drive 3,000 miles to freaking Providence, Rhode Island? No, it's not gonna happen, right? And so this, this, wink, wink. And so this, uh, this rolling tidal wave is smashing against the hard rocks of reality and the resulting briny seafoam spray is like smashing against the interior of my heart. And I'm feeling this literal pain, right? This literal pain inside my chest. I'm like, what is this? I'm not having a heart condition. This is emotionally derived, but I'm feeling this ache in my heart. What is this thing? What? I was like, oh, heartache. Right? But there's a difference between reading that word in the dictionary and feeling that. Amen? You you feel me, right? And you guys know where I'm going with this, right? And so it is with God, right? So it is with God. There's so many things we can know. There's so many things we can learn about God. But the point is ultimately to push past those ideas into an experience of a reality that actually exists and to feel that reality, right? And so we've been talking uh, for the last several weeks about the Holy Spirit. We are in... I guess the season of the church year that comes after this day of Pentecost. Pentecost was an important day in church history when uh, a new phase of, of redemp- God's plan of redemption happened, when God actually 
came down in a form that could live and reside in human beings. For a long time, God had been, um, you know, in a specific holy place in a temple, and then God came in the form of Jesus, and on Pentecost, God actually came to reside inside human beings. How crazy is that, right? And so we're talking about God, the Holy Spirit. We've been learning that God exists in three persons, the Father, who plans redemption, the Son, Jesus, who implements redemption on the cross. And the Holy Spirit is God as well. He's a, well, it's not even a he, really. Actually, I was in an argument with my wife yesterday. She's in the shower, and I was, you know, doing my hair. I have so much of it back here, by the way. So I was doing it, and we were talking, and Sarah's like, the Holy Spirit's not a he. And I said, but the Holy Spirit's a person. And we got in this argument. Should we use the masculine pronoun for the spirit or should we use it and I was like I don't want to use it because it sounds like it's like a robot not a robot it's a it's more of a person than I am he actually and in the in the Hebrew the word for spirit is feminine so it may the ruach is a feminine word in Hebrew and so it may be actually the Holy Spirit we could refer to the spirit as she but I'm just trying to say there's limitations in human language right so I'll, I'll probably use the wrong term and just have, have grace for me on that. Um, but the Spirit is the part of God that touches us, that applies who Jesus is and the truth of God to our hearts, that makes Jesus real to us. When we say, I felt the presence of God, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, right? So anyway, we're talking about the Spirit let me pause here and do a very Andrew-like move. I'm gonna just say a quick shout out to the room, right? One of the coolest things about Sanctuary is that there's people here on really different places on their spiritual journey. And so some of you guys, welcome. This is your first week. And we're like diving in the deep end of the pool this week. And so I just wanna say to every person here, whether you have been a Christian your whole life, whether this is brand new to you, whether this feels really comfortable or whether this is totally foreign territory, just welcome to you, right where you're at. And um, I just want to say, I remember the first time I went to church. I went to church because a cute girl invited me. I wasn't like really interested in God or anything, but I was interested in this cute girl and she invited me to church. And I went, I remember listening to all these things I didn't understand, right? And I felt bad about myself because I'm like, what the heck is that guy talking about? And I'm aware that today I might be that guy for you. And so I just want to, is it cool to say that whatever questions are coming up for you, whatever thoughts, I don't get that at all, that is really okay. In fact, that's actually totally normal. And what I want to invite you into is let this be the beginning of a dialogue. Ask me afterwards, ask Andrew, ask the person that brought you hey, I didn't understand that. What does this mean? And we just want to journey together wherever we're all at. Is that cool? All right, can I end that ellipsis? All right, parentheses closed. It's really important for us to learn about the Holy Spirit. We need words about the Spirit. We need instruction. We come from a stream of Christianity, this one, that doesn't really talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible, and we miss the Spirit. And so it's really important for us to have language, and I'm just so appreciative of Andrew and his emphasis on going here as a church. 
But what I want to say is that if we, the goal is to move past those words into experience, right? And if we don't, here's what we run the risk of. We run the risk of being a church that's like, it's like we're having church on a dock, right? And it's a hot, humid August day, and it's beastly, right? And like only New England can be. I wasn't from here. I don't know how you guys grew up with this kind of humidity, but it's a hot day, right? We're sitting on this dock by a beautiful mountain lake, and it's pristine, and it's deep, and it's clear, and it's so inviting, and we get our deck chairs. It's this giant dock we can all sit on. We're on it right now, and there's this water all around us, just a few feet away, and then we decide, you know what? Let's give a sermon on this water. It's a three-point sermon. Point number one, the water is cool and refreshing. You should jump in. Point number two of the sermon is the water is clean and clear. And you're not going to get like amoebic dysentery if you jump in this water. It's, it's safe to jump in. And so you should jump in. And point number three is the water is deep, friends. This water is so deep that anyone could dive into it. Look how deep it is. And then we close the sermon and, oh, we sing a song about the water, too. The water, oh, the water, it's so deep. And we could jump in the water. Amen, hallelujah. And then we pronounce a blessing. And we say, now go ye forth and jump in the water. And then we pick up our deck chairs and we turn around and we walk off the dock and back home and we cook burgers and watch the Patriots. And what's the problem with that kind of spirituality? There's no water. We didn't jump. So today, I want the sermon to be about jumping. How's that? All right. I'm going to skip that quote. It's too long. I, I basically said what that quote said. Some other dude was going to say what I just said. I'm not going to read his words. <laughs> tonight, he's a cool guy, too. I mean, this was a really good quote you guys are missing. You can come get it from me later if you want it. All right. So I want to talk about experiencing the Holy Spirit, all right? I'm hoping that you jump, at least jump sometime today. And I'm going to try to give at the end of the sermon a little lesson on, on jumping. Um, so I want to look at this verse in John 7. And uh, I mean, we just read it. I'm going to, I'll read it again. Um, somebody said that there are certain passages in the Bible that should be embossed in gold. Uh, one of my favorite preachers, Martin Lloyd-Jones, said that, and he said that this is one of those verses. This is one of those verses that should really be written in gold. Um, let me give you a little background to this. This happened at, the, at one of the pivotal moments of, um, of Jewish worship in the time of Jesus. There were three festivals, and this one happened in the fall, right around the time of the grape harvest, this is called the Festival of, of Booths or tab Tabernacles. This was the big one. This is like New Year's Eve in Times Square, all right? Everyone's here for this. Dick Clark or Carson Daly or whoever does it these days is doing his thing. This is where it's all happening. The ball's about to drop, right? And this is the big moment. And at the heart of this festival, the priests would go down to the Pool of Siloam and they would pick up, it's down the hill a little bit from the temple. The temple's up on the top, this is down below. And they'd carry these water jars in these magnificent processions and they would go up to the altar and they would dump it out and the water would go out. And this was to, this was to be a picture of a prophecy that happened in the Old Testament that said that one day 
rivers of living water would flow out from the temple in Jerusalem and they would go out to the whole world and bring life everywhere they went. It was a symbolic, but it was really about God's plan to redeem everything out of his dwelling place to pour out this living water. And so on the seventh day, they, they, this is the biggest day and they're about to dump the water the ball is about to drop in Times Square and Jesus, right in the middle of all that, stands up in the crowd. I don't know how everyone heard him because it was no, probably noisy, but he says this. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. He says that right in the middle, interrupts the whole thing. And then John goes on to tell us, by this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. All right? So I think Jesus is gonna tell us three things about experiencing the spirit. First, he's gonna tell us who can experience the spirit, right? The second thing he's gonna tell us is how we can experience the spirit. And the third thing is, what does it feel like? to experience the spirit, right? I told you what heartache felt like, right? And I used words and I tried to describe it, you know, so there's only so much you could describe, but Jesus is trying to do for us what I did with heartache this morning. He's trying to tell us what does it actually feel like on the inside to experience the Holy Spirit, all right? Does that make sense? Can we go there? Good, you guys with me? All right, all right, awesome. You can talk back to me too if you like what I'm saying. It encourages me. Um, so first, Jesus tells us who can experience the Spirit. And what does he tell us? He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Anyone. Isn't that a cool word? Say anyone. Turn to your neighbor, say anyone. Anyone. And isn't that amazing that anybody and their uncle can experience the Holy Spirit? Jesus doesn't, it's so awesome to me that he doesn't divide people up by skin color or class or gender or anything else. There's actually no distinction between who can and who can't experience the Spirit. Anyone can. And this is, friends, because God's purpose in all of history has been for every single human being to have a relationship with him. That's why he created us. And so in his plan of redemption, God's desire is for anyone, anybody can come there may be some of you here this morning that feel like, you know what, there's no way based on who I am or what I've done that God would have an interest in me. And I just wanna say that's a damned lie. It's a damn, it is. And that's, it probably is condemned. That's a condemned lie. That's something that is just awful to believe. And we believe it, don't we? And so listen to this. Let anyone who's thirsty Besides forgiving our sins, the reason Jesus died on the cross is so that the Holy Spirit could come and live inside of us. That he, God could have an intimate, direct relationship with every single person. As I was praying for this church this morning, I feel like the thing God wanted me to say, and I don't know how it fit in my sermon, so I'm gonna say it right now, is that I think God wants you to know that you don't have to do anything alone. You don't have to live your life alone. He wants to live it with you. So he says, let anyone. Um, 
There may be some of you who have been following Jesus for a long time, and you have, a, you have an intellectual faith. Your faith is primarily about ideas, right? And if that's you, I just want to identify with you. I feel like I'm a very intellectual person. I tend to live up in my headspace. And so for me, this idea of actually experiencing the Holy Spirit is something, I was a Christian for a long time before I, I, I feel like I, I, I know that I experienced him. I don't know that I was aware of experiencing. I wasn't living in that awareness of it. Does that make sense? And I believe that Jesus, even if it's never been part of your experience to actually have a direct experience with the Spirit, I think Jesus is offering that to you, right? One of the things that will get in our way, though, is if we don't believe that that's possible. Does that make sense? If you believe that the closest God can be to you is a distant idea, it's gonna be very hard for you to experience him. You've erected a mental framework that's going to screen out God, right, in your direct experience. And so the, one of the th- things that has to happen first is that you believe that it's possible to actually directly experience God. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so I just wanna encourage you if that's you and I'm like, I don't think I can experience God. I want you to ask God for faith today. So anyone can experience the Spirit, but there's one condition. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. Somebody say thirsty. Jesus says anyone can come to me and drink, but not everyone is going to, right? Not everyone is actually going to come to me. Only the people that are thirsty are going to come to me. Now, I believe actually every single human being is thirsty in this spiritual sense. Every single human being was actually made to have our deepest longing satisfied by God. I believe that. And I think we actually see evidence of that, don't we, in the world? Have you ever noticed that human beings, including yourself, always seem to be looking for the next thing? The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Have you ever noticed this pattern in your life? Have you ever noticed, like, you know what? If I just get that next job or that promotion, then I'll be happy, right? If I just marry that person, then I'll be happy. If I just make a little more money, I'll be happy. If I just take that one more drink, I will be happy, right? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, and then you get there and it's like, hey, wait a second. I'm still the same person and I'm still feeling the same stuff. What does that mean? Where is this thirst coming from? Where is this longing inside us coming from that nothing on earth seems to fill? One of the greatest philosophers in Western civilization, Augustine of Hippo, said this. God, you have formed us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And so this longing inside us, guys, I think it's pointing us to God. Now, we can mask it, right? We can mask the longing we feel. We can mask the spiritual thirst we feel. We can mask it. I'll tell you how I mask it uh, with food. (laughs) I've been trying to lose weight for a long time. And I, I actually think part of my eating is that 
I'm in touch with a hunger or a thirst inside myself, and I don't always know what to do with it, right? So I'm like, hmm, cookies, that'll do it. I'll just eat some cookies. And then after that, I'll be like, yeah, cookies, thank you, Andrew. Now I'm going to eat some, I don't know, whatever, cheese, cheese and crackers. Who likes cheese? I could just go through the list of things I like to eat, right? But the point, it's not going to get there because it's for Jesus. Or alcohol, right? I, I have a, a liking for alcohol, amen? And it's a good thing, right? Except when um, you keep drinking it and it doesn't seem to fill the thirst. Or Netflix, right? I'm feeling just this churn. Did anyone do this? Just churning at night. I'm like, ah, I feel unsettled inside. I know it'll fix it. Netflix. And I sit down, I binge watch like 12 hours of some nasty show like House of Cards or whatever. And I feel 10 times worse after that than I did beforehand. So we mask our thirst, friends. But it's still there. And you know what Jesus is inviting us to do is to admit it. To admit that that thirst inside us can only be met in one place. Can only be met by the one who created us, right? I think religious people have the hardest time admitting that we're thirsty. I am a religious person now, and so I didn't used to be, but now I am, and I get it. Some of the hardest cases are religious people. We're just messed up sometimes, aren't we, religious people? There's this temptation when you come to church all the time to say to yourself things like, well, I've got all my ducks in a row spiritually. I'm all set, right? I come to church, I experience this experience, and I don't have any thirst. Even if we're feeling it, we don't have it because we don't want to admit it, right? We don't want to admit, oh, this is actually unsatisfying, feel vaguely unsatisfied with this. Um, there's a band, I don't know if you heard of them, they're kind of an a indie band called U2. Um, and uh, there's this lead singer named Bono. And he sang this song back in the day in this album called Joshua Tree. It's this little album you probably never heard of. But um, the song was, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And um, he talks about all this religious experience that he had, all these things that he's done with God or been to church or all this stuff. And he says, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I, when I became a Christian, I'd listen to that. I'm like, how dare you, Bono, you idiot? Like, what do you mean? You know Jesus. You know all these things. You've been to church. What do you mean you still haven't found what you're looking for? Are you ungrateful? And then I began to realize, actually, no, Bono's just being honest. See, the reason Jesus stands up in the middle of this religious ceremony is to point something out, that all of the outward form and sign of our religion is just something that points to God, right? At some level, the purpose of it is to point to God. It's a sign saying, here's a drinking fountain, right? But if all we ever do is just huddle around the sign and we never go to the drinking fountain, we still haven't found what we're looking for right? And so he says, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. And so I just think that, I just want to share that in, in every season of renewal and revival in the church, something begins to happen to the people of God. They've come to this, these meetings week after week. They've stood up. They've sung these things. But before a renewal or a revival comes One thing always happens. There's this growing sense of holy 
discontent, this holy dissatisfaction, the people of God begin to ask God, is there more? Is there more than this, God? How do I get past this experience and connect with you? And for many of us, actually this year, there's a whole group of us in this church and in other churches, by the way, all over the place that are beginning to feel this longing, this desire for something more. And Jesus says, yeah, that's what I want. That desire is gonna lead you to me. And so this morning, are you thirsty? Are you satisfied? What are you masking your thirst with? So who can experience the spirit? Anyone who's thirsty. How do we experience the spirit? Jesus says, really simple. Jesus says, let them come to me and drink. Let them come to me and drink. The important part in this passage is what word? Me, Jesus. There's only one place that we get our thirst met, Jesus says, and it's me. It's not in religion. It's not in any other thing. It's in me. And so the purpose of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit and Jesus are always intimately tied together. The whole purpose, the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus. So it's not coming to a theological concept, not coming to an idea. It's coming to a person. So obviously, how do we come to Jesus? Do you see Jesus in the room other than Nick Cage up there? Like, I don't, he's not in front of us right now. So this is a spiritual coming, right? It's a spiritual coming. What it is, is it's fixing the eyes of our heart, the gaze of our soul on Jesus, on Jesus. And it's, let's not use Nick Cage, actually. There, Jesus, it happens actually inside us. And one of the things I've been learning this year is to use my imagination, I don't know if you saw my son Silas up front. He's the one that was making a lot of noise, and he, he's so busy. And this morning, dude, it was so cute. He was worshiping with his mom. They were holding hands and bouncing together, and he had his hand up. One of the things about kids is that um, they actually have a lot to teach us about God. Kids have so much to teach us. We get our imagination beaten out of us by our culture somehow, right? And we think, well, God lives solely in the realm of ideas. And yes, he does. That's important. But actually, God gives us imagination as a window into his presence. And one of the ways that we have to change to experience the spirit is we have to become more childlike. And I've been experiencing Jesus in my imagination this year. And um, he's spoken things to me as I pictured him with the eyes of my heart that have honestly changed me, that changed my life. Um, Love it. Thanks, Jason. What a guy. Um, 
I think that some of us here this morning, um, I believe God may be actually inviting you to come to him for the first time. Others of you are believers in Jesus. You've, you've come to Jesus many times before, but you know that um, oftentimes our Jesus tank can be either full or empty, right? Like some days I'm feeling like, yeah, and other days I'm feeling like, ooh, I don't have it. And honestly, when I was writing this sermon, I felt, um, I felt really empty. I actually felt stressed out. I was kind of worried about, I don't know, what people would think of me. And I was feeling very anxious as I was writing this. And um, I just put down my computer and I, I said, look, Jesus, I need you. And so I turned on some music. This helps me. I imagined myself with Jesus, and I looked at him with the eyes of my heart. And I just listened, and out of me came this kind of, these, these words that I heard. And he said, um, what he said was, Gregory, you keep looking at the resources you have instead of the resources I have. When you trust in your flesh, you get exhausted. When you trust in me, you renew your strength. And guys, I just sat there, and I was like, something started washing over my soul. I was like, you know what? I don't want to work on the sermon. I just want to talk to you, Jesus. And I just kept talking to him and listening to him. And I began to notice after a few minutes that this peace began to wash over me. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't feel the same way anymore about this. And I realized nothing had changed in my outside circumstances, but I had changed. I had changed. Something inside me had changed. This is a promise, guys. What does, it, what does the, the Spirit feel like when we experience the Spirit? Jesus tells us in this passage. He says it feels like rivers of living water flowing from inside us. Elsewhere in the Bible, Jesus talks about the wind. So the spirit is a flow, right? He's a flowing thing. It flows inside of us. When we can quiet ourselves down and focus on Jesus, if Jesus is living inside of us, we begin to experience a flow. Sometimes it's a flow of pictures. Sometimes it's a flow of words. Sometimes it's a flow of healing power. Sometimes it's a flow of different things. This is something I've started to experience this year inside myself. And because I started to, I, I felt this, Jesus says the flow will come from within you, right? Liver, rivers of living water flowing from within you. And because it was within me, because I would hear these things or see these things inside me, I would discount them. I would say, well, it's happening in my head, so that can't be God, right? It can't be God. Not every idea in your mind originates from you. I know this is crazy to think, but actually not every idea that goes through your mind originates from you. Some of them are your mother-in-law. Right? Some of those thoughts are your mother-in-law. Some of those thoughts are Donald Trump. Some of those thoughts are your own thoughts. In fact, most of them are your own thoughts. Um, some of them come from the devil. And some of them come from God. God has made you 
like an antenna, designed to be tuned into relationship with him. And inside every single person is the capacity to connect with God. And when you learn how to listen to God's voice, it's a little like bird watching. It's like walking through a field and you begin to hear a noise. And at first, if you've never practiced it, you never heard it, you're like, well, I don't know what that is. But as you begin to practice, you begin to listen repeatedly, you're like, oh, I know what that is. That's a red-winged blackbird. And as we begin to walk through life, we can actually learn how to hear the voice of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You can, you can hear it. Sometimes what will keep us from that is, make, is a lack of space in our life to hear God's voice, right? We need space to do that. What's the effect of, the, of, the, of this river of living water? When we feel it, what is the effect that it has on us? The effect, friends, is life. It's life. It produces life. The flow of the Holy Spirit produces life. And it produces fruit in our lives. This year, um, you can ask my wife, my primary motivation towards life is being afraid. I'm afraid of everything. Deep down inside, I'm a fearful person. I look at circumstances, I'm like, oh no, what could happen? Oh dear, oh, what if this happens? And so it's hard for me sometimes to step into risk. And this year, I've stepped into some situations and I've been incredibly courageous. I'm just gonna say it about myself and my wife's nodding. I've been courageous this year in places that I think I should have been really afraid Do you know why I was courageous? I was not courageous because I'm courageous. I was courageous because when I got afraid, I would look at Jesus and he would start saying things and he made me courageous. He gave me hope. He gave me faith. And so I began to interact differently with the world around me. And it began to actually go out for me and impact others and form a blessing. And Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And rivers of living water will flow from within him. And I believe, friends, that God actually wants to bless the people around you. He wants the people around you to be touched with his life. But you can't get it from yourself. It's not in there. You have to go to Jesus. You have to go to him and listen to him and look at him. And allow his life-giving flow, the Holy Spirit, to well up inside you, transform you from the inside out, and then it begins to flow out and touch other people. The Holy Spirit wants you to experience him. The invitation is to move past words and into experience, to jump off the dock into the lake So as we move to close this into communion, I just want to give a couple invitations to you guys. So first off, I believe there are some of you here that are thirsty. Maybe you haven't grown up with a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's been a very long time and you've wandered away. And you are aware that in your soul, there is a thirst. And if you're honest with yourself, it's a thirst for God. I believe today that Jesus wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him and drink. 
It will involve surrendering. It will involve, you can't have an authentic encounter with the Lord of the universe and not lose control. But the Lord wants you to come to him today. That's another language, we call that becoming a Christian, coming back to faith, but he wants you to come to him. Others of you, actually, you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced it. Um, Talking to myself here, we've experienced the taste of the Holy Spirit. We've tasted and we've seen that the Lord is good, right? We've experienced this. My invitation for us is to not get out of the water once we jumped in, right? To not get out, to actually make a decision that we are going to live in the water. We're going to live in ongoing connection with the Holy Spirit. We're gonna become river dwellers, right? We're not going to move. And I believe there's a reason for this. And this is because I think God wants to bring a work of renewal in our city, in the church. And it needs leadership. And that leadership is going to have to know how to listen to the voice of God and depend on the Holy Spirit. And so if we don't make this decision to live in the presence of God, God can't use us to lead a revival. And so I think that there's many of us here, and you know who you are, you've tasted this, and I wanna call you to not get out of the river, ever. There's no reason to get out of the river. God never intended for us to do life alone, guys. And so I just wanna encourage you to seek more of the presence of God. Finally, there's some of you here tonight who this experience of God has not been something you've known. You've had maybe a faith that's been intellectual. And I just wanna encourage you to jump. I'm gonna give you a quick jumping lesson, and I know this is anticlimactic, but this was really helpful for me because people had been talking to me about how to connect with God, how to hear God's voice, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And so I just wanna share with you, this is not the only way, In fact, God is a mysterious God with a thousand ways to connect with him. This is one way that helped me, and it helped me because it was super practical. So here we go. Come to God with a question. If you've never done this before, I'd encourage you to come to him with the question, do you love me? He likes to answer that question. Step two, quiet yourself. You can listen to birds. You can sit in a quiet room. I like to have music because I have ADD and it focuses me. I don't know if I have it technically, but I get distracted. Step three, fix the eyes of your heart on Jesus. We have eyes of our heart and so it's to focus on him. I like to use my imagination. I pretend that I'm walking beside the Sea of Galilee or in the desert or in my house or in a dark room, or anywhere. It doesn't really matter. The point is, look at Jesus, and that will get away a lot of the weird stuff. If your eyes are on Jesus, uh, that's where they wanna be. Four, pay attention to the spontaneous flow of thoughts and images that alight on your mind. If we have faith that out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water, then pay attention to the things that feel spontaneous and come out of your heart. Step five, write them down in childlike faith. Don't 
Ask immediately if it's from God or not. Ask that later. Six, test them later. Test everything. As it comes out, if it lines up with, it doesn't line up with scripture, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. And then test it against the scripture and find some people that know how to hear God's voice and ask them, does this sound like God? And they may be like, no, that sounds like the burrito you ate for lunch. And, and that's okay. It takes 10,000 hours to learn how to land an airplane. Anything that's worth doing takes practice. You won't do it perfectly. But you have to jump. Lord, help us as a church to experience you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to be here now as we move into worship and communion. Show us how to experience you and to feel rivers of living water flowing from within us. Meet us in this time, amen.